When you look at the clock on the TV screen that Joe's pulling up here, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? The clock represents today midnight. Now, a funny story about that in my own life is I was having a conversation several years ago with a millennial. I've recently learned what millennials are. They're young people who are young people. <laughs> and millennials, I never recognized, they, they didn't really grow up in analog clock life. So I was with this millennial person one day, and there was a clock, and I asked them what time it was. And they're like, I'm not sure. And it had hands on it. And because it had hands on it, and their entire life, they have been able to tell time by digital numbers rather than by a little hand and a big hand, they couldn't really tell me what time it was. So if you're a millennial in the room today, this is one, two, zero, zero, okay? It's midnight. To some of you in the room, what does it mean? So some of you in the room, it means you should have been in bed two hours ago. To some of you in the room, it's when you go to work. To some of you in the room, it's when you get off work. To some of you in the room, it's when your kids had better be in the house or you're going to have to get the phone and start calling. Midnight. In our culture, it separates days on our calendar. Midnight starts a new day for us. Midnight, what does it really mean? To you. Now, here's why it's interesting to me. It's interesting for two perspectives. One, I wrote this sermon some time ago and was looking for an application for it and scheduled it for today. But this past week, there's an organization called the Doomsday Clock that made today's sermon even more relevant to me. I don't know if you heard on the news, but the group of people who run and operate what they call the Doomsday Clock have moved their clock up 30 seconds. Now, the doomsday clock represents the end of time. Now, these are pagans. These are unbelievers. They're not predicting the end of time because of uh, the return of Christ or the rapture of the church. No, they're predicting the end of time uh, primarily because of climate change and nuclear weapons. But this past week, they moved the clock up 30 seconds. So the doomsday clock now is two and a half minutes till midnight, just for your reference. So I can tell you, to the unbelieving world, a lot of people pay attention to that. In fact, I saw it all over the news, all over the week, uh, the news that, well, did you, did you know that they moved the doomsday clock up to 30 seconds? Whoa. So when you see midnight, what do you think? Today I want to give you a spiritual picture of midnight. Midnight is used in the scriptures in several applications. Some are just time related. You can find midnight in the Bible just telling you the time. But some do something different. Some give midnight as the time of God's judgment. The time of God's appointment 
the time of God's arrival. The first time you find the spiritual picture of midnight is in the Exodus. And it comes in the tenth plague of Egypt between Moses and Pharaoh. It comes in the time of the Passover. And God tells Moses to tell Pharaoh that midnight will be the time of the arrival of God's judgment, and God's judgment is called death. I want to say it again. As we start this morning, midnight, I've asked you a question. What does midnight mean to you? To the world, it means something. To believers, it means something. And here comes Moses to Pharaoh and says that midnight is going to mean God's coming. And he's bringing judgment. And his judgment at midnight is death. Let me read it to you. Exodus 11, verse 4. Moses had announced to Pharaoh... This is what the Lord says, at midnight tonight, I will pass through the heart of Egypt. Death is coming at midnight tonight. Not tomorrow. What Moses told Pharaoh was sobering. It's not a midnight in the future. It's not one of the midnights that are in the future. It's midnight tonight. Can you imagine God telling you, to tell someone that? Can you imagine Moses carrying the burden of the responsibility? He has already been through the nine plagues of Egypt, and Pharaoh's heart became harder and harder and harder. And now God says to Moses, go tell Pharaoh tonight I'm coming, and I'm bringing death. Go tell him. Can you imagine being that guy? Well, let's flip it over. Can you imagine being Pharaoh and hearing that? Now, what's he, he's hearing that in light of the nine plagues that he has already experienced. And when Moses has spoken, it's been true. And tonight you said what? God's coming. This is the interesting part of the story. This is the tenth plague. And everything that Moses has said to Pharaoh has happened. So when Moses says midnight tonight, what do you imagine Pharaoh thought about midnight do you think his heart began beating real fast if i'm pharaoh and i've been through nine plagues and i've seen the hand of god every time moses speaks it god does it and now moses says god's coming tonight at midnight and he's going to bring death my heart would be beating really fast but there's more moses gives details of the midnight event and here's where the story really begins. Moses reveals to Pharaoh and to Israel that tonight, midnight will bring peace to some and horror to others. Midnight will bring peace, but midnight will also bring horror. Let me read it to you. Exodus 11, verse 4. Moses had announced to Pharaoh this is what the Lord says, At midnight tonight I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the oldest son of his lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt a wail like no one has ever heard before or will ever hear again. 
But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Midnight will either bring peace or midnight will bring horror and death. The Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Does that offend you? I'm going to ask you a question. When you picture God and you imagine a midnight scene and you hear that God says, I'm going to make a, distinct, a distinction between two groups of people. One will be happy at midnight, rejoicing at midnight. The other one will be weeping at midnight. Some will wail and others will experience a supernatural peace. Even the dogs won't bark at the wailing that's going on around them. Midnight's coming. Midnight is coming and God will separate those that belong to him from those who do not. I want you to understand, in the Egypt picture of midnight, God has announced through Moses to Pharaoh that at midnight I will do something that only I am qualified to do. I will draw a distinction between two groups of people. Some will find the night wonderful and liberating and freedom and joy, but the others will find it a night of absolute horror and wailing, unlike any time that's ever been in Egypt. Today, I'll tell you, church at Nineveh, midnight's coming. And God has announced it. Not the exact day, but he has announced it. Do you believe him? Do you believe midnight is coming? You see, the reality is this. Most preachers won't talk about midnight. Most preachers today don't want to talk about midnight. And I doubt very seriously that Moses wanted to talk about midnight either. Who wants to talk about midnight? I don't want to talk about midnight. Do you think I find pleasure in talking about midnight? Would you like the job of Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, tonight at midnight, God's coming with wrath? Nobody wants to talk about that. I don't like to talk about it, but somebody needs to talk about it. You know why? Because midnight's coming. Israel had been told about the midnight arrival. Why? So that Israel would have time to prepare for midnight. Listen to me again. Israel was told in advance by God through Moses that midnight's coming so that they would have a moment, an opportunity, a chance, a window to prepare for midnight. Because midnight's coming. Israel was told to prepare. That was a very merciful thing for God to do. I suppose he didn't have to tell them in advance that midnight's coming, but he told them in advance. And he told them to prepare. And listen, he told them how to prepare for midnight. Did anyone tell you about midnight? They will today. But ultimately, what you decide to do about midnight will be up to you. Let's go back to the midnight scene of Egypt and Pharaoh and see what happens. Exodus 12, 28. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night, at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt. 
from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock was killed. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house. There was not a single house. There was not a single house where someone, someone had not died. Midnight came. Midnight always comes. Some people had prepared for midnight and some people had not, but midnight always comes. There was not a single house where someone in Egypt had not died, but not for the people of Israel. God made a distinction between the two. Midnight came and God made a distinction. I want you to understand, midnight came, but God made a distinction at midnight. Let me repeat, verse 7, but among the Israelites... It will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Then you will know. Then you will know what? Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Midnight's coming. Midnight is coming and God will separate those who belong to him from those who do not. Egypt represents, Egypt paints a spiritual picture of those who do not belong to him. Israel paints a spiritual picture of those who do belong to him. And at midnight, he will separate the two people groups. He will make a distinction. Midnight is coming, and God has announced it. Not the exact day for us today, but he has announced it. I'm going to ask you again, do you believe him? Not because there's a group of people who have a doomsday clock and they've just moved it up 30 seconds. In fact, my horror is that people pay more attention to a bunch of nuts with a doomsday clock than they do the very word of God that is announced not only that midnight's coming, but tells you how to prepare for midnight. Do you believe midnight's coming? Israel had been told about the midnight arrival, and Israel had prepared for midnight. Did anyone tell you about the midnight arrival and have you prepared? You will hear about that today. Surely I don't have to tell you. Surely I don't have to stand here in this church, unless you're a visitor today. Surely I don't have to stand here in this church and tell you that the distinction of God was based upon the blood of the Lamb coincidence that the distinction of God that at midnight God's going to make a distinction between the people of Egypt and the people of Israel and the distinction the distinguishing feature between the two groups is the blood of the lamb I've told you hundreds of times over the last almost 17 years now do you believe me that the distinction between those who find horror at midnight and those who find joy at midnight is a single point the blood of the lamb you see that night Israel had a chance to prepare and Moses told them take the blood of a lamb and spread it over your door and as God arrives as death and wrath and judgment comes it will pass over your house and the distinction will be a single event the blood of a lamb. 
last year leading up to Easter, I preached an eight-part sermon series on the Olivet Discourse of Jesus. The Olivet Discourse is the second longest single teaching of Jesus in the Bible. The Olivet Discourse takes place on the Mount of Olives, but it takes place with a very small group of Jesus followers on a Wednesday before he will die on Friday. Do you want to know what Jesus said in that session about midnight? Are you sure? Because I have revealed to you that midnight was when God arrived in Egypt. And he made a distinction between those who were horrified by his arrival and those who rejoiced at his arrival. And the distinction was simply the blood of the Lamb. And then fast forward, and here's Jesus in his Olivet Discourse. It's a Wednesday. He's going to die on Friday. And he brings up, guess what? Midnight. Do you want to know what he says? Matthew 25, verse 1. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Why is Jesus telling this story? Every time you read a parable of Jesus, I'm going to just give you some counsel here. Ask yourself as you read, why is Jesus telling this story? The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and they went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And here it comes at midnight. Why is Jesus telling the story? At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. I ask you again, why is Jesus telling the story? There are ten drowsy, sleepy bridesmaids waiting for a wedding. Why is Jesus telling the story? Five of the bridesmaids were wise and five were foolish. Why is he telling this story? You know why? Can I answer? Because midnight's coming. Midnight is coming and God will separate those that belong to him from those who do not. Midnight is coming and Jesus, like Moses in the previous scene of Egypt, has announced it. He hasn't told you and I the exact day. You see, God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, it's midnight tonight. There's not much time to prepare when it's midnight tonight. But Jesus has told you and I through this parable in the Olivet Discourse, he's told us that midnight's coming. And he's given us time to prepare for midnight. We don't know the exact day. We don't even know the, the hour of any particular day, if it'll even be midnight. But midnight's coming. Do you believe him? I'm going to pause for a moment and just ask the question. I want it to sink in. Are you sure? D do you believe him? You see, your life testifies whether you believe that midnight's coming. My life is testifying whether or not I believe midnight's coming. The bridesmaids had been told about the upcoming wedding, and five of them actually took it seriously. 
You see, I'm convinced when I read the story that when Jesus tells the story, all ten of the bridesmaids had been told about the upcoming wedding, and five of them took it seriously, and five of them did not. You see, five of them, only five of them were ready for the midnight shout. Did you know there's going to be a midnight shout? What shout? Why did Jesus tell the story? Do you know what the shout is? The bridegroom's coming. Come out to meet him. Why is Jesus telling the story? It's not random. Did anyone tell you about the midnight arrival of the bridegroom? Have you prepared? And here's what happened. When I'm reading recently from the Word, I saw something, something big about midnight in Egypt. I saw something big about midnight on the Mount of Olives, the story of the ten bridesmaids. I saw something. Do you see it? Do you see it? I wonder how many of you have seen it, because I'm convinced it's the Holy Spirit that opens my eyes to see any of this stuff. Do you see it? God chose midnight to make a distinction between those who were his and those who were not. The word distinction is used. And I was curious when I read this and when I caught it and the Holy Spirit started to reveal to me something, I was curious about the word distinction because at midnight in Egypt, God made a distinction. At midnight in the Mount of Olives story about the ten bridesmaids, God's going to make a distinction. What is the word distinction? Is it just a New Living Translation word? So I got to looking it up, and the New American Standard, the New, uh, New International Version, and the New Living Translation, which I usually use here, all three gave the exact same word. All three of them translated exactly the same word. And the word is to separate. What does it mean? It is to separate into two groups by a distinguishing feature. Everybody listen. The word distinction. God at midnight made a distinction between Israel and Egypt. God at midnight is going to make a distinction between the five bridesmaids who were ready and took the wedding serious and the five bridesmaids who were not ready because they did not take the wedding serious. And the word distinction is a separation into two distinct groups to despite a distinguishing feature. Do you know what the distinguishing feature is? The blood of the Lamb. Now that applies to the Egypt story. But what about the ten bridesmaids? The oil and the Lamb. That God is going to make a distinction by separating people into two groups based upon a distinguishing feature. In Egypt, it was the blood of the Lamb. If you had the blood of the Lamb, death passed over. You're rejoicing. You're not wailing. In the story of the ten bridesmaids, it's a different distinction. Oh, the blood of the Lamb still applies. Everything's based on the blood of the Lamb. But what about the blood of the Lamb? Is there oil in your Lamb? I wonder how many people in the church even understand what that really means. Oil in the Lamb. You see, Moses didn't choose midnight. And Moses didn't choose the distinguishing feature, which was the blood of the Lamb. Or the distinction, and I'm surely, I wouldn't have chose midnight. If I get to pick a time, it's not going to be midnight. 
but God did. Why midnight? Midnight doesn't seem like a good time for such a big event, does it? The bridegroom's coming. When did, it, when did that announcement come out? It came out at midnight. That doesn't seem like a good time for such a big announcement. What, why? Because you could be caught off guard at midnight. You could be unprepared at midnight. You could be drowsy. You could be out of oil at midnight if you're not careful. Do you need oil at midnight? Let's finish the story. I only read half of it. Jesus' Olivet Discourse. Parable of the ten bridesmaids. Some translate the parable of the ten virgins. Verse 6. At midnight they were roused by the shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to, go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone, uh-oh, but while they were gone to buy oil, while they decided it was a good time to get ready, while they thought the getting prepared for the wedding was finally a pretty good idea, the bridegroom came. And the door was locked. Why is Jesus telling this story? Why is Jesus telling this story? Verse 11, later when the other five bridesmaids returned. Why is Jesus telling this story? Later when the other five bridesmaids returned. We're the first five. Are they wailing, weeping, unhappy about the midnight encounter? No, 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 they've gone in. They've gone in. L later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I, I don't know you. Why doesn't he know them? He knows everybody, right? What does it mean, I don't know you? And what is it about this oil in the lamp? What is this oil? Because this oil seems really important at midnight. Do you know what the oil is? Do you know what the oil in a lamp does? It is the source of light. Who is the source of light? Jesus. He says, I'm the light of the world. And if I'm inside of you, if you've got me, you've got light. But if you don't have me, you have darkness. And he's invited us into his light. What's verse 13? Here's the reason for the reason Jesus tells the story. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. There it is. It's the reason he tells the story. You must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Church, I want to tell you something today. Listen carefully. Midnight is coming. Midnight is coming and God will separate those who belong to him from those who do not. Midnight is coming and Jesus has announced it. He has not told us an exact day, but he has announced it. My question is, do you believe him? 
do you believe midnight is coming? If you're keeping watch, it won't matter what time of the day it is, are you keeping watch? If you've got oil in your lamp, it won't matter what time of the day, do you have oil in your lamp? I'm asking you, church, would you, would you re, at least look inside your own heart? Do you have oil in your lamp? Have you taken the wedding seriously? Are you prepared for the day that you'll hear a shout, the bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet him. I'm ready. I got the oil. I've been waiting for you. I took the wedding serious. Is that you? God's going to make a distinction between two groups of people that day. And you won't be able to say you didn't know because, yeah, you do know. If you've got the blood of the lamb, it won't matter what time or what of the day. Do you have? I want you to look at the screen. Midnight projects an event that's coming. The Word of God has made it clear. In the time of Egypt and Moses and Pharaoh, it was the blood of the Lamb. You must have the blood of the Lamb when midnight comes. You can't wait until a minute after midnight and get the blood of the Lamb. It's too late. You're unprepared. In the Olivet Discourse, Jesus talks about the ten bridesmaids. You can't wait to get oil in your lamp. There's a time, and it's called midnight, and when midnight passes, you can stand at the door all you want to and knock, but you're not coming in. And the third one is this. They were watching. You too. Jesus said specifically, you too should watch because you don't know what hour he will come. If you do the blood of the lamb and you have oil in your lamp and you're watching, it really won't matter what time or what day. You're ready. Midnight's coming. Midnight is coming and God will separate those who belong to him from those who do not. Midnight is coming and Jesus has announced it. You won't be able to say you didn't know. Do you believe him? Egypt encountered the judgment of God at midnight. Listen carefully. God made a distinction and he separated life from death by the distinguishing feature of the blood of the Lamb. The bridesmaids encountered the judgment of God when? At midnight. And God also made a distinction by a distinguishing feature. The oil in their lamps, and they were watching. But there's one more important message about midnight. This message from Jesus is recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13. Here's what he says. The coming of the Son of Man. Does anybody have to guess what we're talking about here? The coming of the Son of Man, the coming of Jesus, can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Anybody want to guess so far who the man going on a long trip is? I'll give you a hint. It's Jesus. The coming of Jesus can be illustrated by the story of Jesus going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves, anybody want to guess who the slaves are? They better be us. He gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You see all the characters in the story? Why is Jesus telling the story? He says the coming of Jesus can be illustrated how? There's going to be one who's going to leave for a long time. That's Jesus. He's left. He's left earth. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But before he left, he has a group of slaves, I'll come back to that word in a minute, 
He has a group of slaves that he's given an assignment they're supposed to be doing while he's gone. And then he appointed gatekeepers, and the gatekeepers are going to watch for his return. You with me? Why is he telling the story? Verse 35, you too must keep watch. For you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, at daybreak, don't let him find you sleeping. Why is Jesus telling this story? Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. So I say to you what I say to everyone. What? What? Watch for him. It's pretty clear to me that this teaching from Jesus is specifically regarding his return after a long absence. I don't have to guess who the character in the story is. It's him. It's been 2,000 years. It's a long trip. It's a long absence. Number two, it's pretty clear to me that Jesus has given his slaves very clear and specific instructions about what they're supposed to be doing while he's gone as we wait for his return. Did you know that you and I have been given some pretty clear instructions what we're supposed to be doing while he's off on the long trip? I'm going to repeat it to you, verse 34. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. He gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they're supposed to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. Now, I'm going to begin right now. Stop for a moment. I'm going to begin with the word slave. Let that sink in. And I'm going to ask you a really important question, so please pay attention. Are you offended by Jesus using the word slave? Because many are. Are you a slave to Jesus? Does that term offend you? If so, I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear. If that term offends you, I can tell you today, you are not ready for midnight. In fact, if that term offends you, you have no clue what's coming at midnight. You see, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They could stand and look around each other and say, you know what, we're not really slaves. It just looks like we're slaves. Pharaoh tells us what to do every day. We do it. We make bricks from straw. But we're not slaves. We're free. You can say you're free. But if you're a slave, you're a slave. You see, that first encounter at midnight was to set the slaves free. And the problem sometimes with setting slaves free is that they don't want to admit they're slaves. Does the phrase, I'm going to ask you again, does the phrase slave offend you? The Israelites were slaves in Egypt at midnight, and the blood of the Lamb set them free. You are a slave to your master, and either you are a slave to your master Jesus, or you are a slave to sin's master Satan. But you're a slave to someone. You know how I know? I want, I want you to come to grips with a simple truth. You and I are slaves to someone for a simple reason. We are not the creator. We are the created. You did not make yourself. And if you could make yourself, you might be able to say you are not a slave to anyone. But if there is someone who made you, 
He is your master. The question is whether or not you will acknowledge he is your master. Are you offended by the term slave? By the way, if you say today you have no master, then you have just deceived, and you're not going to like what happens at midnight when God makes a distinction. So what are the clear instructions to the slaves? The Bible says he is given clear. The, the, the return of the Son of Man, the return of Jesus, can be illustrated by a man going on a long trip. And when, before he goes on the long trip, he gives instructions to the slaves. So what are the instructions to the slaves? Now I'm going to tell you. If you tell me today you're ready for midnight, then you surely know the instructions that have been given to you and I to prepare for midnight during this book. And the reality of whether or not you believe that midnight's coming will probably be determined by how seriously you take the instructions in this book. Can I ask you a question? Past two weeks, how much time have you spent in here? You saw it, it's so easy to be deceived. It's so easy. You know what? There were ten bridesmaids who went out for the wedding. They all believed there's going to be a wedding. They all thought they were going through that door. The five of them didn't go in. Do you know what the instructions are? Can I just give you three examples? I could spend hours talking about what he's given. By the way, I, I need to say something before I move on. If you're offended by the idea of being a slave to Jesus, you still don't know who he is, which means you are not prepared for midnight. Because the greatest adventure, the greatest joy you will ever find in this breathing life is to bow down in front of him. You want to be free? You connect yourself to him. He'll take you out of Egypt and he'll move you toward the promised land. But your freedom is from sin. Not to sin, from sin. But actually, as you are released from Egyptian bondage by the blood of the Lamb, you can't make this up, as you are released from sin bondage, which is a picture of Egypt, you are then bound to a new master. Do you know what the word Lord means? Master. You see, the church is filled with people who would love to call Jesus Savior. But there are few in the church who will call him Master. And to call him Master means you gladly, not reluctantly, gladly will bow your knee to him. Because you know who he is. He's a good Master. And when you become his slave, he then promises he'll meet all of your needs. He'll provide for you physically. He'll provide for you spiritually. He'll transport you out of the wilderness and he'll move you into the promised land. He'll give you eternal life and he'll raise you up on the last day. That's the master I want to be connected to. So, what's the instructions from the master to the slaves? Can I just, I'm going to give you just three. I'll, I'll just do three. Let's take a test, okay? Let's see how we're doing. Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples. Can I ask you a question? How many have you made?
Do you think this is only for preachers? Go and make disciples. I've admitted to you on numerous occasions that I'm 99.9% clueless 99.5% of the time. I don't know how to make disciples. But that carpenter can fish. And when that carpenter named Jesus comes inside of this temple, he told us to go. He'd make us fishers of men. He knows how to catch them. What he wants you to do is become his slave. But you don't want to become his slave because you think you can be your own master. And he said, the return of of the Son of Man can be illustrated in the story of a man going on a long journey. But before he left, he gave to his slaves instructions. Verse 19, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. How'd you do on that first one? You know, the church was always supposed to function with this method. The church would be about a disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple who makes a disciple. That's how it works. It was never designed that it would be a preacher who would make disciples. It would be a preacher who would make a disciple, who would make a disciple, who would make a disciple, who would make a disciple. Number two. You ready for midnight? Is midnight because I made some disciples? No. Midnight's because of the blood of the Lamb. But the blood of the Lamb means that the blood of the Lamb has come to your temple. And that carpenter can fish. Number two. Matthew 5.13, you're the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown and trampled under feet as worthless. You're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine before shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You're light, you're salt, right? So go light up where you're at. When you go to school, light it up. When you go to work, light it up. Light it up. You know, what do you think the oil in the lamp is? In the parable of the ten bridesmaids, they had oil in their lamp. Why? What are you going to do with oil? You're going to shine. You're not going to apologize for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not going to apologize for the name of Jesus, the name above all names, the name that has set you free from bondage that leads to death. You're not going to apologize for his name. You're not going to apologize for the gospel, the good news. You're going to shine, church. Is it going to matter? Oh, it will at midnight. Because the ones that have the light are the ones that have the oil. And the ones that have the oil and have the light are going to go in when the door opens. Because they've already planned on the wedding. They're not saying one day I'll plan for the wedding. They're planning for the wedding now, before midnight. The third one is this, Matthew 5, 43. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the Old Testament Jewish law. But I say, love your enemies. 
Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for He gives His sunlight to both the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Let me summarize the instructions to the slaves as you await the Master's coming. Make disciples who will make disciples. How are you doing with that? Somebody will immediately tell me, you know, I don't know how to do it. I, you know what? Me too. Me too. I don't know how to do it. He does. Open your mouth and proclaim what He has done for you. Why don't you just start there? And if He hasn't done anything for you, why don't you let Him do it today when we offer you an invitation to allow Him to fill your life? Just open your mouth and let Him just say what He did for you. Baptize these disciples. Teach these disciples to obey the teachings of the Master. Be salt. Be light. Shine. Savor the world that God has put you in. Love people. Pray for those who don't know that midnight's coming. There are just a few. These are just a few of the things that us slaves have been told to do while we wait for the Master. But did you notice there's a point at the end of that verse in Mark. Verse 34, the coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. Listen carefully. It's almost like he's created this group of people called slaves, and then he, he called out a few of them and called them gatekeepers. And he told the gatekeepers to watch for his return. Jesus told the gatekeepers to keep an eye out. There were some people appointed specifically by God, and they have eyes to see clearly the signs of the return of Christ. Do you believe that? Because Jesus just announced it. Like watchmen of old, they will watch, and they will warn people about the coming of midnight. Because the midnight might not come at midnight. This is the beauty of today's topic. This verse from our Master Jesus, verse 35. You too must keep watch, for you do not know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what everyone, what I say to everyone, watch for him. Can I make a confession to the church? I've done it before. I'll say it again. I thought he'd be here by now. Really, I did. When God called me into the ministry and very clearly communicated what he did that made me so convinced that I went into the ministry, I thought he'd be here by now. But it doesn't matter if it's midnight or if it's dawn or daybreak. I'm going to tell you today he's coming. Midnight is a symbol of the time of judgment. The time when God will make a distinction between that which is His and that which is not. A distinguishing mark will be the blood of the Lamb. In Israel and Egypt, God made a distinction. And death came to those, and weeping came to those who did not have the blood of the Lamb. Interesting to me that midnight brought both rejoicing and weeping. And the gap between rejoicing and weeping was a single blood of the lamb in the story of the ten bridesmaids jesus makes a distinction 
And some were left outside and the locked door and they were weeping. The distinguishing mark was the oil in their lamps. And slaves. Jesus made a distinction that his slaves were going to be about the master's business when he returns from a long journey. And the distinguishing mark will be they will be servants of Christ. They're not going to be reluctant servants of Christ. Yeah, I'm a slave to Jesus. You know, I see people in the church that they don't say it out loud, but the reality is they walk around like, I'm a slave to Jesus and it's heavy. Really? It might be heavy. But it is eternal life. It might be heavy for a season, but it is eternal life. I'm not talking about miserable slaves. I'm talking about slaves that rejoice in their salvation. Slaves of Jesus or slaves to sin and sin's master. Today, I'll tell you, midnight's coming. And I want to do something. I, I told the first service today, I put this in and I took it out and I put it in and I took it out and I put it in and I took it out and I put it back in just now. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question. Those of you who know me personally will understand it. If you're a visitor, you probably won't. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question. What if I'm a gatekeeper today? Appointed by God to tell you that midnight's coming. Would you listen to me? You know, the sad thing is that many people pay more attention to that stupid doomsday clock than they will the good news of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the interesting thing to me is that even the pagans who run the doomsday clock know something's happening. Even the pagans who moved 30 seconds up and said there's two and a half minutes to go on the doomsday clock, they know something's going on. That things cannot, will not continue as they are. Something's coming to a closure. And in their mind, it's midnight. And then I open the Bible. And God says, yes, it is midnight. Now, those of you who know me personally, I quit my job, went into the ministry for a very simple reason. Very simple reason. I've never made any excuses about it. I've communicated it clearly for 17 years now. God revealed to me that he was raising up watchmen all over the earth. He revealed to me that I would be one of those people. Number two, he revealed the deliverer is coming. He didn't tell me when. Number three, make the church ready for the wedding supper of the Lamb. She thinks she is. She is not. And what if today, hypothetical question, what if today I am in this room as the gatekeeper in this story and I'm telling you that midnight's coming? What are you going to do? It'll be on you. It won't be on me. My job is to tell you. Midnight's coming. I don't know the day and I don't know the hour. Might be tonight. Might be 20 years from now. I don't know. I don't know. Midnight's coming. And God is going to separate those who belong to him from those who do not. Jesus has announced it. He has called gatekeepers to proclaim it. Do you believe him? If midnight is tonight and there's a shout, the bridegroom is here, 
I'm going to ask you a question. It's a yes or no answer. There are no maybes. If tonight is that midnight, and the shout, the loud shout, the bridegroom's coming, come out to meet him, will you go in tonight at midnight? I close with these powerful and compelling words of Jesus to each one of us today. Verse 36, Mark 13. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. You know what the number one criticism I have received in ministry in the last 10 years? Number one. And by the way, I get a lot of criticism. Okay? You know what the number one criticism? Some of you know. You talk too much about Jesus coming. And I'm not going to stop. And I'm not going to stop. Why? Because that's the whole reason I'm here. There is no other reason. That's why I'm here. That's why I, got, that's why I entered the ministry. And if you want to take that, you can take that for what you want to. That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to tell you, midnight's coming. If you're in the room today and you find this sermon to be painful and unpleasant, and you know what, I get it. It is the number one criticism that I receive. So I'm going to say it. Everybody listen carefully. If you're in the room today and you find this sermon unpleasant or painful, there's a problem. You know why? Because what I'm telling you today is good news. What I have told you today is good news. Why would you be unnerved by good news? You see, the doomsday clock is only going to be doomsday. Midnight represents doomsday to the pagan world. Why? Because they're not ready. But midnight is not bad news to believers. Midnight is good news to believers. Midnight's what I'm waiting for. It's not what I'm running from, it's what I'm running to. And if today you're in this room and you're unnerved, or you find this painful or unpleasant, this midnight, 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 Jesus is coming, and you're upset by that, I can just tell you this, you're not ready for midnight. You have no clue what's coming at midnight. And when that door opens, you're going to look back and say, God gave me every opportunity to prepare. He gave me the blood of the Lamb. He offered me oil in my lamp. He's, he, he told me, called me to watch, put people around me who were watching and warning, and He gave me this opportunity to bow my knee in front of Him, and I didn't. And I didn't. It's on you. It's not on Him. You knew in advance. You know why it's good news? I can sit here and talk about this. You knew in advance that God was going to distinguish between those who belonged to Him and those who didn't. You knew in advance that the blood of the Lamb would be the distinguishing feature. You knew in advance that there would need to be oil in your lamp that would light up your life. You knew in advance that He offered you to break the chains of bondage of sin and, and tie yourself forever to Jesus. You knew it in advance. That's why it's good news. If you didn't know it in advance, it might not be good news. But you know it in advance. It's good news. So why would preachers be reluctant to preach good news? 
Why would congregations be offended by the preaching of such good news about midnight? Why would anyone be offended by good news? Do you really want the answer to that question? Because it's only good news if you're ready. It's only good news if you're ready. It's not doomsday if you're ready. Are you ready for midnight where God will distinguish between those who belong to Him and those who do not? Is the church ready? I look across this audience today and I'll tell you there will be close to 900 people here today. Three services. Are you ready? For midnight? You just think this is just some religious activity? I close by reading some warning that Jesus gives the church in Sardis in the book of Revelation. Now listen carefully what I said. Jesus gives this message to the church. Not to pagan unbelievers, to the church. Here's his message. Revelation chapter 3. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do. He knows. He knows right now what you're thinking. Right now, in this room, he knows what you're thinking. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. He's writing this to a church. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. I'm going to hold it up. Go back to what you heard and believed at first and hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly, unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church at Sardis. Tell me he doesn't make a distinction. And then he says, Yet there are some in the church at Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white, and I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and His angels that they are mine. What? what? Visualize, you're standing before the throne of God, and Jesus says, come over here, come over here. He's mine. He's, he's with me. He's mine. I will announce before the Father, before the throne, and before the angels that they are mine. He's going to make a distinction. Finally, verse 6, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He's saying to the churches. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. You know, another criticism I got about two weeks ago says, Terry, sometimes when you offer an invitation, I'm afraid there are a lot of people in the audience that don't really understand what you're inviting them to. I took that as constructive criticism. So today I want to clearly communicate what the invitation is. Today, if you're not ready for midnight, Jesus invites you to be, get ready today. Not tomorrow, today. Would you bow your knee to Him today? Would you receive the blood of the Lamb today? Would you offer yourself as a slave to Him today? That you will serve Him today? If you've never been baptized, would you be baptized today? 
I was going to get to that one day. So were those bridesmaids. Midnight's coming. So this invitation, let me clearly say, is this. If you today cannot say honestly, completely, with all of your heart, that you know that if midnight call, the bridegroom comes, tonight is at midnight, 12 o'clock, and you're not sure whether you're going in or not, why in the world would you walk out that door and not know why? Why? That's what this invitation is. It's not to me. It's not to Nineveh Christian Church. It is to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. The invitation is open. Let's stand.